Hello everyone and welcome back to the Streaming Science Podcast. Streaming Science is a student-driven program that works to connect you with scientists to learn how science impacts all of us and our everyday lives. I'm Megan Winfrey, a graduate student at the University of Florida pursuing a master's in agricultural communication and your hostess for this episode. You're currently listening to an episode from our most recent series titled The State of the Scientific Enterprise During COVID-19 made in partnership with the UF-IFIS Research Dean's Office and through funding through the UF College of Agricultural and Life Sciences. In this series, we explore the stories of scientists and professionals about how COVID-19 has impacted their professional and personal lives. Over the past year, professionals had to adapt to a new way of communicating, from how their organization handles things to altering communication strategies for their audience to assisting members during hardships some tough adjustments and decisions had to be made on how to continue the work while remaining safe. In the following interview, I spoke with Kate Cleary, the Director of Strategic Communications for the Florida Nursery, Growers, and Landscape Association. In this podcast, we discuss topics from her role as the Director of Strategic Communications to how COVID-19 has impacted her job in regards to membership, events, and interacting with fellow employees and members. We also discussed how landscapers, growers, and nurseries are moving forward to keep the scientific enterprise up and running during a global pandemic. So I'm here today with Kate Cleary. Kate, would you be able to tell us a little bit about what you do for the Florida Nursery Growers and Landscape Association? I know it's a mouthful and y'all call it FLNGA for short, correct? FNGLA. That's the acronym we use. It's pretty long. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, it just encompasses a community of people in Florida's nursery and landscape industry. And it, it's company-based. Our association is a professional association. That's meaning the company itself joins. And all of the members, all of the employees of that company get those benefits. They receive those benefits, whether it's discounts on professional development or if they want to take one of our certifications certification materials you get a discount because your company is a member Um, but we represent sort of a a huge swath of of, uh, professionals in the industry it could be a landscape company who's a member or a woody tree grower like i said in in the panhandle it could be an independent garden center in south florida who's a member Um, really sort of horticulture ties us all together and how we partake in that particular discipline Um, whether you're a landscape company and you need to get landscape plants. So you sort of interact with wholesale nurseries or, I mean, it really does get into research and science too. When you talk about companies that grow um, small plant liners and independent garden centers that handle actually selling plants to consumers. So there's a lot of different facets of our association and our industry. So we're sort of that hub that connects everyone and gives that community. So they all can, chat and network and see what's going on in the industry. A lot of our board meetings are um, our chapter leaders coming and, and sort of giving an update on like what's going on in your, your neck of the woods in our industry. So that's really the heart of what our members, you know, sort of depend on us for besides the advocacy in Tallahassee, of course, mm-hmm. and professional development. We're a big association. In addition to just our membership, we also put on two industry trade shows that are pretty big, the landscape show, which happens um, each year in Orlando, and that's aimed at landscape professionals. It's lots of big trees when you walk into the convention center. It's just like trees, trees everywhere. 
you know, we have lots of education sessions there, but also for people who like flowering plants, we have TPIE, which is the Tropical Plant International Expo, another kind of interesting acronym, but that's, that's an international show. And that's, oh my gosh, you walk into the, uh, the convention center on those, on those shows and it's, it's orchids and it's color and it's a lot of really pretty packaged plants and a lot of design. So they're very, they're both in horticulture, but they're very different kinds of trade shows. Can you tell us a little about what you do specifically for FLNGA? Oh, you betcha. Okay, so I am the Director of Strategic Communications. And basically, it's sort of, I just help people talk, whether it's online or in person, help facilitate conversations. I started my career, I'm a, I'm a triple gator at University of Florida. Um, I started there um, in 2002 or one with, um, I was at the J School, the journalism school, and I majored in journalism. I got a bachelor's in magazine journalism, which was sort of, at the time it was feature it was long-form journalism, um, and not a lot of digital stuff, because when I was going through that university, or that program at the time, digital, you know, there was, the internet really didn't exist in the form that it does now. It was, you know, press releases were on paper, and newspapers were on, um, were printed, and, and websites were kind of fun, but they were kitschy, you know, they were real, they were sort of interesting and flashy and, you know, you did them for fun. There weren't a lot of mainstream newspapers that were um, embracing the online platform. When I, I, I went out to California and I did some um, reporting and um, working for magazines and feature writing out in California. And that was sort of at the time the newspaper industry really didn't know what to do because um, newspapers were sort of going away in the physical format and they were trying to sort of were struggling to sort of figure out they knew they had a really big opportunity to figure out how to communicate with people and and have more of a two-way conversation instead of just them pushing out stories and never hearing back mm -hmm. but they just you know it took a couple more years I think for that industry to catch up with the communications which gave me a really good opportunity to sort of see how they were doing that and um, that's what sort of brought me into the digital world. I became an editor and a social media manager and then a digital strategist for a local newspaper after I kind of went to California and then New York, which was my home state, um, and worked in Manhattan and Jersey City on some big newspapers and then um, came back home to my small town newspaper and really sort of was able to get in the editor chair and start figuring out like how to have a conversation with, with our readers. How do you know if an article is successful? Mm -hmm. And the internet gave us that opportunity to have commenters and people talking to you now, which is like crazy, <laughs> you know, coming from um, the old guard, I guess, of newspapers is you really, that's not a component that you're taught traditionally that you should expect. So that was really cool. And that sort of put me on the, the path to coming into FNGLA to help them with their digital strategy a little bit and communicating with their members and all of their stakeholders, which is a lot. We've got Mem not just members who we really want to serve and, and network with and talk to and, and, and listen to, but we also have our attendees at trade shows and we have exhibitors. We have our certified professionals who we want to talk to and keep them up to date on professional stuff. But we also have our consumers. We have um, FNGLA also has a consumer website called Florida Gardening. We're releasing something soon called Plant Whisperer, which is a kind of a fun little designation where plant lovers can take a little test and become plant, not certified, but like um, become plant whisperers. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting that we're getting into that sort of sphere too, but maybe if our consumer friends have become an audience as well. You know, when you think about that, really, we're just 
kind of figuring out how to talk to people online and how to listen. I, I really like the idea of that plant app. So how has COVID affected you and your role of strategic communications? Well, I mean, it's brought us really close together. You know, it's really sort of helped us push away the stuff that maybe didn't matter so much. You know, all those distractions have gone away. So it's helped us really focus on our relationships with each other, you know, with just my, my colleagues. I feel like I'm closer to them. So we talk about different things now. It's not really, it's not all business anymore. It's like, how are you doing? How are you, how is the world going for you over there? Is it crazy? So, you know, it's in, in our association, we're very, we're very close as a community already. You know, I know a lot of our members um, and their families and, and their family businesses. Mm-hmm. So it's not a stretch for us to sort of get closer to our members, but it is really cool not to have as many distractions. <laughs> Although we miss the in-person gatherings and the trade shows. It's, it's helped us focus on what matters and it's helped us focus really and have quiet and work on the things that the changing needs that our members need now, right? So it's, it's a lot more focus on professional development classes. You know, we've seen that where people have a lot more time. I was going to ask to, if uh, people have, if you've seen an increase in those certification requests because people do have that extra time. Oh, I believe so. Yeah, our certifications are usually always very, very popular, but I, I, I do. Personally, I think that our professionals are, are having more bandwidth emotionally and mentally to sort of think of the next step in their careers. So we're there for them for that. But also, you know, we've pivoted too as an association. We have webinars. We're offering sort of on-demand webinars and, and lots more training online that people are sort of interested in taking advantage of. So that's really cool. We did a digital strategy workshop um, for the first time something we've been talking about for a long time again but like just kind of never truly got there because there was other you know sort of tyranny of the urgent things going on but that was a great opportunity for us to reach out to our members and show them ways that they can also help their businesses during the pandemic and it differs you know because our association is sort of so robust and and broad in different areas like our our garden centers you know we really want to talk to them and we want to um, see if there's interest in having an online storefront. How's your website going? Are you selling online? Are you using Instagram? Um, and having a conversation with them about what's important to their business. You know, our approach digitally and, and communications wise is very personal. You know, mm-hmm. your business is very personal. It's very personal to us. We don't want to just sort of throw everything at you and be like, there's 3,000 different things that you can do. Oh, you're not on Snapchat right now. Like, we don't want to stoke that fire, right? We just want to be like, well, what's important to you? You know, here's what you can do. I feel like different areas of the state are so different too in how they would communicate. Whereas if you're in more of an urban environment, like social media is going to be so great for you to use as a tool. But in more of a rural environment, it might be more word of mouth or, you know, face-to-face interactions that I feel like get your business through. So that's so interesting that you offer like all those different things that can really make a business thrive in its environment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We want to always listen firsthand. You know, we want to make sure that we're, we're understanding your story, right? Because they always talk about what's your story and being a newspaper reporter for me at heart, your story is the most important thing to me, right? Like I want to, I really want to get it right. And I really want to see it from your perspective before we even start talking about analytics, you know, or, or, or what the goal is here. We really need to understand where we've come from and where we are. And I like it. I like talking to people. People are interesting. Yeah. That's an awesome perspective to have. I know that you mentioned trade shows. So what has been y'all's plan 
were they canceled last year? Are they online this year? I know some companies are doing that. We were very sad to cancel. We had um, canceled convention. Convention is sort of our annual at the end of the year kind of, yay, look at all we've done kind of event where we get together and sort of recap. So that was a big thing. We, we canceled that. Um, but we also did cancel the landscape show, which was supposed to happen in September, which was kind of at the height of that, like cases are growing. Everything was very unsure at that time. So we just, we really wanted to sort of go with safety. And so we did, we chose, it was a difficult decision. I know for our leaders, for Ben Belusky and Linda Adams, who the CEO of FNGL and the COO, <laughs> but also the committee, there's committees for the trade shows as well. And I know that they really sort of tried to do what was best, you know, at the time, just do what you what you think is best. And, yeah. and so it was canceled. TPIE was also canceled. We were supposed to have that in January in person in Tampa for the first year. We we're doing a two-year run in Tampa beginning this past January and next year due to, we usually do it down in Tampa at the convention center, but they're doing some renovations down there. So that was canceled in person, but we did um, do an online component of TPIE, which was actually really cool and innovative and it gave us some really good ideas for when we do meet back in person that we do sort of want to keep digital components of it and we had we had webinars that were in person we had an opening session that was telecast online you know we went through with the education component so people could sort of utilize that opportunity still to, to take those classes and get that professional development but we did miss the trade show floor it, there's nothing like walking into an enormous convention center opening the doors and just seeing you know 30 foot tall trees and moving villas that are you know just colorful and, and the trade show displays and the way that people are members and exhibitors package plants and the ideas it's like a pinterest board mm -hmm. come to life if you just walk those aisles and you know, there's really no substitution for that. There's no substitution for giving, you know, industry peeps that you haven't seen in a while a big hug and asking them how business is going. So we, we did miss that. You know, the hope is that, you know, things will get better and we'll be able to meet again soon. I, um, when I go to conferences, my favorite thing is just getting to interact with people. And so I definitely feel how that could be really missed with trade shows you have that face-to-face -face interaction and you get to see people you haven't in a while and just the act of sitting in person learning about something with other professionals it, it's inspiring and it it you know sends you back home with a renewed sense of you know passion and excitement for what you're doing um, oh 100 percent, yeah because you you know as a human being you sort of have a lot of other things going on in the background but when it's time for you to make that decision to go to a trade show either exhibit or attend, it's a big emotional investment to take that time out. So something happens in our brains where we really just go, okay, this is our time to focus. And we take away even good distractions, right? Like you're not around here. I miss my family, of course. But when I'm at the trade show, it does something to me. It opens me up in a way that just kind of floats me through the rest of the year with new ideas. It's a special time. It's a really special time. I'm, I don't have to tell you, but our industry is really close. We're a close industry and we care about one another. It's, it's a really kind of family environment. And I mean that, I really do mean that. I, I feel close to a lot of our people. So it's, it's cool to see them in person. So with y'all being so close, what has been the biggest challenge that you've seen your members have to go through with the pandemic um, and just kind of navigating that whole sense as growers? Well, let's see, challenging. One, one interesting thing about our industry um, is that some aspects of, um, of our members, some areas of our membership are really doing well in the pandemic. Thank goodness. You know, um, people 
uh, are experiencing the healing powers of plants, especially during the pandemic where we sort of, we hold on to things that are really, that help us. And it just so happens that, you know, plants in our industry, plants help people. And so there has been an overwhelming, um, in some areas, demand for plants. So I've, I've seen some of our members really have to adjust and, and sort of step up to the plate with that increased demand for plants, you know, in this time of uncertainty, they really, they want to make sure that they're serving the public and serving, especially giving people plants. Like that's the coolest thing in the world. You want plants? I love plants. You love plants. Awesome. So um, that's some areas. And then some areas, there's people who can't get a hold of the plants that they want or there are shortages that we're dealing with in plants in supplies, right? So our industry is not the only industry that's experiencing some, you know, disruptions in supply chain. You know, the construction industry, I'm sure, is, I've heard is experiencing similar. But it's just those sort of, you know, we're trying to go on and, and rise to the challenge and still sort of conduct business like usual. Some days it's easier than others. You know, they're taking it one step at a time. Our landscapers, I think, are getting busy. I know I'm calling my landscaper <laughs> as we go into spring. So, you know, we're just I think everyone's taking it one step at a time. And we're not sure where things are going to go. We have to stay really flexible. Flexibility, I think, has been the key in most companies and organizations in the pandemic. You just never know what the next day is going to bring. Yeah. Are you able to, real quick, I know that there's different chapters of FLNGA. Can you you know, talk a little bit about what those are and how do people get membership or organizations get membership? All right, so FNGLA, um, since we're a statewide association, we have 15 active chapters across the state. And it doesn't go um, strictly toward like zip code, but it's kind of in like geographic area, like our panhandle, it's kind of along the panhandle. We have a big Bend chapter that's sort of north, 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 Florida, right in central. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like the northeast chapter, which is Jack's proper, all the way down to sort of almost St. Augustine and, and all around the state, right? So in each chapter meets regularly, they network, they sometimes have an education component if there's a local issue going on. That's really at the chapter level where you start to see like advocating for if there's a fertilizer or organs that we feel that we can offer some information or wisdom toward, we really want to get behind that on the chapter level. And you have speakers who come in and just sort of address those local issues if there's something happening with soil or anything. But it's really an opportunity for the chapter members to to meet and to get involved. Really, if your organization, like if you work for a company that's an FNGLA member, benefits extend down to you. You're welcome to attend chapter meetings, really full rights and privileges as an association member. So if you work for an organization, it's worth asking if they're a member. And if they're not, pass them over to us and into our website or them to give us a quick ring about how it could serve them um, being a member. If you're in, in our industry, it's absolutely indispensable that you have an advocate like FNJLA mm-hmm. to be there for you and you know protect your interests and your business interests and also help you progress as a professional. We're always looking for better ways to, to promote ourselves and promote our businesses. And we try and really help you get there, help you get to know the people you need to know and have the resources that you need. Do you think there are any misconceptions within the growers and landscape industry? And if you could pick, you know, one or two, what would they be that you really just want to, you know, get right with people? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's um, a misconception in a way where it's like broad reaching, but I have sort of heard people kind of have this mindset that our industry isn't very technologically savvy. 
I mean, I think we enjoy being outdoors a lot. You know, our people are by nature are very tactile. They love nature. They love getting out there and getting their hands dirty. But heck, they're smart people, you know, and, and they're, they don't live under a rock. We understand the internet. <laughs> so um, if that's one myth that I can sort of dispel a little bit, if it exists in people's minds, our people are smart. Our industry is smart. You know, these are business owners. Sometimes these are several generation business, family businesses. They know how to run a business. They know, they know the industry. And my job is to just suggest new fangled things that maybe we haven't come down the pike yet. Like, you know, have you ever thought about this or mm -hmm. that? But it's not, you know, my job is not to teach our people anything that they don't already know. They know it. Mm -hmm. I'm just sort of there to facilitate and help. That, that's one big myth that I kind of hate. <laughs> feel like a lot of companies that are outdoors based and really environment based, they sometimes get, you know, that kind of rap and it couldn't be farther from the truth. And I think of this in like agriculture terms as well. They have done this for sometimes 30, 40, 50 years. They're definitely someone to be, to be reconciled with. How did you get into, you know, more of an environmental job of landscape and growers from wanting to be a newspaper journalist in your undergrad? Um, what kind of gave you the switch for that? Or was it just an opportunity that came along and you've just learned as you've grown? It was kind of the innovation of the newspaper industry, right? Like most of my job started to consist of being online more than being out on a stakeout or, mm -hmm. you know, covering an event or being on scene. So that transition from me being in the field on the streets or wherever the action was happening to, to sort of asking questions and asking people in person. Once you sort of move up a little bit and started thinking about strategy and being in the editor's chair a little bit more, it takes you off of the, this is terrible to say, off of the streets. Kind of my favorite, I was, I loved being a street reporter in my early yeah. career. It was really a lot of fun. It was interesting and you felt like you were being, you were part of things as they were happening, which to me, there, there's no better profession than, than telling people stories. So that was, that was really awesome. But when you're in the editor's chair and when you're sort of um, trying to plan content in a bigger, for the newspaper and sort of see where that content strategy, what are we going to share? What are we talking about this week? What, who's got what? what are, what's there to share? What's the news? You sort of get a, a lot more strategic in that communication plan, like how, what is it, what's the edition is going to look like, depending on when you publish, if you publish once a week or twice a week, every day, once a month, like we do now at the association. So it's sort of, I, can't, I spent a couple of years really getting into the strategy, learning front end design. You never, I mean, you don't, you don't realize as a reporter, but once you get into it, you're in there and you are now a website designer, you're publishing your own stories and you're posting them on social media. So it, it gives you that introduction into new media. Once I had that, I sort of came into my own and realized that this was big and this was really, really cool. It's, it, it opened a whole new direction. It opened a whole new opportunity for conversation if you did it right. When the opportunity presented itself for me to work for FNGLA, it was cool. You just hit the ground running. You know, the, the association had been around so long that it had a lot of infrastructure already it did a great job of talking to its members. It had a, our CEO, Ben Belusky, he does a weekly email that he sends out to all members and tells them basically like, this is the stuff you guys need to look out for in our industry. Here's some cool stuff that's going on. Don't forget about this. So that was its own publication. It had its own circulation. So if you think about it like that, that was one online publication that I sort of just helped manage a little bit. And then we also had for our members, we had, we have Greenline, which is our monthly magazine 
where we feature what the heck's going on in our industry. And that's not just, it doesn't just go to members, it goes to like 15,000 people in our industry. That's a whole nother publication where we talk about interesting stuff. We shine lights on the spotlights of what our people are doing at the chapter level. There's a lot of community events that our chapter people get involved with. Like for example, our Northeast and our Gainesville, our frontrunners chapter just did the landscaping, helped um, put together landscaping for the National POW MIA Memorial on Cecil Field in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And it's a museum as well. You know, so it's a good place. Greenline is a really good place for us to tell those stories about what our members are doing at the chapter level, how we're getting involved. And um, sort of tying that all together, you realize at a point that, you know, I re- my job really didn't stop in the way that it was sort of intended. I'm, in a lot of ways, I'm an editor and I'm a writer still, and, I, and I'm a content manager. The stories are a little bit different and a little more specialized, but it's cool. Who doesn't love talking about flowers? It never gets old. No, it doesn't. I feel like people have such an emotional connection to plants too. Once they, you know, you get one and you care for it and you don't want it to die. And so it's really interesting. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been really great to get to know you and your business and how COVID-19 has affected it for the better and for the mostly for the better from your perspective goodness yes yes but really just the changes that are being seen in the growers and landscape industry so thank you so much kate for being on this you have anything else to add before we end it no i just thank you for the chance to chat and it was good spending some face-to-face time with you Thank you for listening to our State of the Scientific Enterprise during COVID-19 series on Streaming Science Podcast. Make sure to follow and reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud. For more information about research at UF IFAS, visit the link shown in notes. We would love to conduct more of these interviews and grow this series to include a variety of scientists' voices and perspectives. If you're interested in participating, please email us at dreamingscience1 at gmail.com. That's streamingscience1 at gmail.com. I'm your hostess, Megan Winfrey. Thanks for listening.